I'm Brian Santo, EE Times Editor-in-Chief, and you're listening to EE Times On Air. This is your briefing for the week ending February 7th. In this episode, with the outbreak of the coronavirus in the city of Wuhan in China, the key issue is the health emergency. But the disruption to global industry is already serious and could get much worse. Today we discuss the economic effects of the coronavirus, with coverage of the damage already done and a live report from one of our colleagues in Shenzhen. Also, the creation of integrated circuits produces a significant amount of toxic waste. One of the processes that produces the most hazardous material by far is wafer cleaning, which globally produces hundreds of thousands of liters of waste sulfuric acid. Today you'll hear a conversation about reducing the amount of sulfuric acid used by as much as 80%. When a new virus outbreak was reported recently in Wuhan, the world shuddered. This new outbreak seems like a replay of the deadly SARS epidemic from 2003. Once again, a coronavirus has jumped from animals to humans, people are dying from it, And it remains unclear whether the Chinese people and the rest of the world are getting accurate and thorough information about the spread of the disease, similar to what happened 17 years ago with SARS. Many have pointed out that the common flu has killed far more people this year in the U.S. alone than have died from the Wuhan virus globally. But the issue is less the number of deaths thus far. The two issues are how readily the virus spreads and the rate of deaths among those infected. The seriousness of the virus as an epidemic cannot yet be accurately evaluated without more information that the world is still in the process of gathering. Chinese authorities have extended a major holiday in China, are telling citizens to stay home, and have set up several quarantines. Other countries in Southeast Asia and elsewhere have imposed quarantines of their own. The U.S. is evacuating American citizens from China. The economic damage is already extensive. With shops closed, retail commerce has taken a hit. Estimates of global economic growth in 2020 are already being revised downward. China has suspended much air and rail travel. That, of course, is affecting the travel industry, but that also includes the jam-packed schedule of professional conferences. Huawei has canceled one of its biggest developers' conferences. The ACM, a technical society for the computing industry, has postponed at least one major event. SEMI, which represents suppliers of semiconductor production equipment and materials, has postponed two big events. Semicon Korea, which was set to be held in Seoul earlier this week, and Semicon China, which was to be held in March in Shanghai. Earlier this week, I spoke with SEMI's president and CEO, Ajit Manocha. Manocha was formerly the CEO at Global Foundries and has also worked at Spansion, at NXP, and at Bell Labs. I asked him about the decision to postpone Semicon Korea only days before the event was scheduled. Last week, later part of last week, we decided to not host this event after we got inputs from... World Health Organization, as well as CDC and our, our exhibitors or stakeholders, I should say, that they were all concerned about sending their people, which will, will be gathering in a, in a convention center and probably 50, 60,000 people were expected there. Everybody felt it's not safe for the welfare of participants in, at that event. 
So we decided to not host this event for the safety and welfare of all the participants for the Semicon Korea. The next event after Semicon Korea is uh, Semicon China, which is uh, in the second half of March uh, this year. And generally we get hundreds of thousand people in three days in that event. That's the largest event of SEMI uh, in a year, every year. And uh, basically we are going through the same process there to see the impact of outbreak. We've been watching the news from all, all channels, uh, whether it's Bloomberg or World Health Organization or other social media or uh, CDC and uh, our SEMI team in SEMI China and SEMI team in SEMI Korea, they all every day and we are in sync with each other. And we were starting to prepare the contingency plan for China as well. And as of last night, we decided not to host that event when it's scheduled for March. And one of the questions was based on the, our experience from SARS. This is the second time in the history of semi-sphere history that we had to cancel or not host an event for these kind of reasons which are out of our control. So in the, from, from SARS point of view, there were like impact was four to six months. And the way we see that the outbreak is uh, still growing and there's no, no vaccine in sight yet, no containment we know yet is working. So until we know better, we will continue to work on the contingency plan and not, and not subject our people to any risk of uh, contamination from others. Munocha acknowledged that postponing the two events is going to be very costly for the organization, but said it was the necessary and also the right thing to do. The fear of contagion with the recent viral outbreak in China is the same as it was with SARS, but the difference is that in the 17 years since, China has become far more integral to the global economy. The country is no longer producing just t-shirts and plastic toys. It is now a key supplier of a very wide range of critical goods, including key technologies for the telecommunications, automotive, and semiconductor industries. Factories in Wuhan and elsewhere in China have become indispensable in the global economy, and if they are slowed or even shut down in response to the outbreak, that would send shockwaves through the global economy. I asked Minocha if the members of SEMI are detecting any supply chain delays yet. The companies, I've been in constant touch with many stakeholders or many member companies, I should say. Uh, they are not giving any quantitative uh, impact on the supply chain. I think this is probably a little too early to make an impact, uh, to make an assessment of the impact. Just guessing about how disruptive the recent virus will be has already had its effects. Stock markets have reacted with alternating spasms of fear and optimism. Our colleague, Barb Jorgensen, the editor-in-chief of EPS News, is an expert on the global electronic supply chain. I got on the line with Barb and international editor Junko Yoshida to find out what will happen if concerns about the virus persist. Um, from the outside looking in, in terms of what um, U.S. companies and sources are saying, that they expect that there will be um, a production delay longer than would be normal for the, for the lunar holiday. Um, you usually lose about two weeks of production. Um, that's been extended, so you're losing closer to three. Materials are going to be delayed coming into and being inventoried to the factory 
cargo will be disrupted because even if sea cargo is able to get in and out of ports, the port of Wuhan is now closed. And passenger transit uh, carries a lot of um, cargo as well. And that's been virtually shut off, you know, from the rest of the world effectively. Um, so there are expected to be supply chain disruptions, um, you know, resonating across the electronics industry, including, including, you know, into the Americas. So with that disruption, we're talking about, well, it's uh, February now, March, April, how May, how far into the future are um, U.S. companies and, and other companies outside of China uh, planning to have their businesses disrupted? I'm hearing that it could go as long as April easily. And what I'm really saying is that things may get back up to normal by April. But, you know, let's just also remember that it takes um, 18 weeks to manufacture a semiconductor. It's about that you know amount of time to manufacture passives. Um, again, a lot of U.S. brands are manufacturing out of Wuhan. Um, I've heard estimates uh, as long as six months uh, just to get back to normal. There are also expectations that if this is you know, a significant delay of several months, um, shortages of components and materials might start to arise. Um, I read today that a um, German car manufacturer has been unable to restart its production line because materials out of, um, out of Wuhan are being limited. They depend on steel quite a lot. And apparently uh, Wuhan is the number one region for the output of steel. Well, since you mentioned that, um, what are some? So we're talking about steel. We're talking about semiconductors. Can you give us a, just a quick overview of the types of industry that uh, that Wuhan is leading in? Are they, uh, you know, any particular types of components or any particular types of ICs uh, and other materials that go into the the high tech uh, supply chain? Yes. What uh, what I've heard is uh, industries that we see are optoelectronics, semiconductors, chemicals, life sciences, biotech, and food. In the high-tech arena, we're specifically talking about 3D, NAND, and flash. Um, we are talking about applications such as smartphones and computers. So this is a pretty far-ranging selection of components and products, when we're talking about disruption of the supply chain, it's a pretty significant disruption. We're also talking about the automotive industry. Um, I believe something like 40 brand companies are operating out of Wuhan, and 20 of them are you know, groups like Renault and, and Peugeot, um, Daimler. The automotive industry will be significantly impacted. I think it's probably going to be more for them of, of getting input of materials, how much they depend on, you know, imports to finish, you know, if they're doing sub-assemblies there. They may be able to get, um, you know, a lot indigenous components if, you know, assuming things aren't shut down completely, but it'll, I think it'll be the materials either, you know, coming into or going out of um, Wuhan that's going to be the challenge for the automotive industry. 
So we've already had a, a tr the trade war that's been going on for, I don't know, 18 months, something like that. Um, that has had its effects on the supply chain. Um, does this outbreak of the coronavirus, does it compound things? Does it make it worse? Do we have any expectations of whether it's uh, it's something separate? It's going gonna, it's gonna to compound the existing um, situation as it stands. The trade uncertainty remains in spite of the phase one deal that was signed uh, a week or so ago. All electronic components are still subject to 25% tariffs. Those That hasn't gone away. Apparently, Brexit has finally been decided. There are implications for the you know, British and the EU economies. Coronavirus is just one other thing that is going to be fueling uncertainty. And where our industry is seeing most of the impact is in, in capital expenditures. That will reportedly decline both for U.S. manufacturers and for semiconductor semiconductor equipment manufacturers going into 2020. Nobody really wants to open up their purse strings and start to build a fab in China if China is going to be effectively cut off from the West, rest of the world, uh, either through the trade war or through the coronavirus. So the you know it, the uncertainty is really what's affecting everything, and more than anything else, it's affecting spending. And we're talking big spending. Yeah, Barb, you recently talked to uh, IC Insights, Bill McLean, right? And I think he's the one who actually really summed it up: trade war, Brexit, coronavirus, trifecta. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Junko and I had this conversation last week where. You know, we have a trade war. It's already disrupting the supply chain. We've already got business of uncertainty. And a lot of American business, or at least uh, the, the, the stock exchanges around the world, have largely yawned about this. And then finally, a virus hits. And that's when the stock market drops 400, 500 points a day. And the question is, what's the big difference? And the difference might be, this is kind of out of our people's control. There's a fear factor here that- It's huge. That, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge in a way that we really don't know where the truth lies. You know, for example, uh, you and Barb earlier in discussion, we're talking about the production um, of parts and components in uh, Wuhan area. Now, there are two big semiconductor uh, factories in Wuhan. One is the Yancey Memory uh, Technology Company, uh, YMTC, and another one is XMC. They both make memory chips. And um, they made a public statement saying that, well, you know, we're in the business not being able to stop the production because any heavy equipment dependent factories, they would not stop the production unless it is a scheduled inspection or repair. So whether it's a New Year's celebration, spring vacation, or coronavirus, they're not going to stop. But that doesn't mean that they're not being impacted precisely because of the uh, materials and other things that must come into play in production. Maybe it's okay for now. We don't know what impact this will have 
down the line. So that uncertainty, not knowing exactly what's going on and getting this public statement saying, well, no, things are going okay, all is well, is actually it kind of fuels the fear. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and I would add, I think the thing that is most tangible to, to people really are other people. And my sources have told me that the, the, the people movement before the lunar holiday is the biggest in, in the world. And what we will see, I fully expect, are people not coming back to work. Um, that's a factor, even in the best of circumstances. Apparently, some folks stay home to get a job closer to, you know, where they lived or where they used to live. Um, some people just don't think it's worth going back. I think with the, you know, kind of quarantine and shutdown situation, I think one of the, the biggest uh, impacts we'll see really is just people just not coming back to work. And I think that that's something that, you know, those of us who aren't supply chain wonks um, can see straight away. You know, you don't need to be a supply chain geek to understand that, you know, people are really being impacted here. When we compare coronavirus um, with the time that we had SARS, uh, the importance of China in a global economy has really changed. Um, back in uh, SARS days, um, as somebody said, that was just about when uh, China was getting into World Trade Organization, right? So the given that and the uh, lot of uh, progress China has made uh, over the years in terms of uh, high-speed rail getting into Han and uh, new factories being built in the last 10 years, uh, there's a night and day difference. Wuhan you know, economically speaking, has become so much more important than ever before, right? It's an important economic hub. Wuhan's GDP reached $213 billion as of 2018. It's a major transportation and manufacturing hub. It's really connected to the global economy. And we're talking everything from uh, chip manufacturing to, to biomedicine, um, and specifically, and, and this is kind of mind-blowing, half of the Fortune 500 have facilities, operations, or manufacturing sites within Wuhan. In fact, DHL uh, put out a report within the past week uh, to already expect um, shipment delays um, they said that tracking and rail cargo services in the uh, the province uh, have ground to a halt. Um, they also talk about how the you know if you use the epicenter um, as Wuhan, it it just cascades out from there, regardless of what city you're in. For all of the economic disruption that has occurred already and that may yet come, this is still a story about a health emergency. Citizens of China have to deal with the virus itself, along with quarantines and worries about shortages of supplies. Like many other companies in the high-tech industry, we have operations in China, and we're worried about our colleagues there. Junko recently spoke with one of our co-workers, Echo Zhao, who occasionally contributes to EE Times and who has been a guest on this podcast in the past. Echo lives and works in Shenzhen, a dynamic city of 12.5 million people, roughly 680 miles from Wuhan. Here's her conversation with Junko. So, do you go outside at all? 
No. Do you have, what do you see on the streets? You you stay home? I stay home. Actually, I I spent uh I spent my vacation abroad with my big family and came back uh on the midnight of Feb first, and then I I never uh, uh went out of home. <laughs> I stay yeah. Oh wow! So, but when you came back, mm. um, the it, uh, you, know, you landed at Shenzhen Airport, I suppose, and mm. you uh, came home. Mm. What did you see on streets? Hardly any traffic. Um, uh, very few cars. That day it was uh, midnight since the flight delay. Uh, yeah, right. so it, I I barely see people in the street. But during the yeah during the daytime because my apartment is in thirty、uh, first floor, so I have a、uh, bird eyes on the whole street. <laughs> I can see yeah. <laughs> also, you can see yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can. What it's like?、Uh, what do you? What do you? What do you observe? Yeah, I can see from my balcony, and、uh, there are a few cars and、uh, pedestrians there. But a lot fewer cars compared to usual, right? Right. Um. The、uh, so.、Uh, I'm kind of curious. You said you haven't gone outside,、uh-huh. and you came back Saturday, right? So, do you have all the food at home? Well, it's、um, it's very lucky that in big city like Shenzhen,、uh, we already used to, uh, to uh, order online, so we can buy、uh, fresh vegetables and meats by our cell phone. So I can survive.、Oh, I can survive without、oh, going out.、Right. I see. So、uh-huh. you have a service. I mean, you can you can order fresh food online, and these delivery people are actually working. In other words, right? Right, right, they, right. So yeah, the government、right. did some some work to make sure that、uh, our suppliers are normal. Okay, very good.、Mm. So、um, you have a son. Does he go back to school? When does he go back to school? Uh, my son is still uh in his winter vacation. The scheduled opening time of school is five ten, so he's still in vacation. But now the uh education bureau is working on some、uh, online education software, and maybe during the first two weeks they will study online at home. Wow! Yeah, they are getting ready for the worst case scenario. In other words, that they did just in case that kids can't go back to school in time, they're already getting ready with the、uh, online education program. That's interesting. Yeah. So my kid is not happy. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he has to work.、Right? Yes, it's like a prison for him. And then his mother is always always watching him. Right. 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 I'm crazy too. <laughs> I'm not happy for that. <laughs> All right. So,、um, so since you haven't gone out, you might not have seen it firsthand. But what about like public transportation, subways, buses, taxis? Are these things are running?、Uh, I think so, <laughs> because I'm I'm stay home. So I just read from news that in most cities, yes, but not in Wuhan. The public transport in Wuhan was shut down several days ago. Okay. But in Shenzhen, but in Shenzhen,、uh, subways and buses maintain the same service time, but extend the running interval. What's the reaction you're hearing from your friends, families? How are they coping with the situation? Well, I think、uh, people understand that we stay at home is actually doing good for our country. That I mean, the doctors, the policemen,、uh, they they are doing on their own way to help、uh, us. But we stay at home. We keep our safe. 
uh, we keep us safe. So that's the way we normal people can do to uh, help the nation. Right. Okay. So your office is also closed, but your colleagues are uh, also supposed to be working from home this week. Is that right? Right. We resumed our work on this Monday, and nineteen percent colleagues can work online. And um, do you stay in touch with them on WeChat, or I mean, how do you work uh, remotely? Uh, now we we have several softwares, and mostly we use WeChat. And at the same time, I think it's a good opportunity for telecommuting companies to promote their products. <laughs> no, yeah. that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, you try to see the bright yeah, side of、yeah. this thing, but you know, you and I just talked that just before this,、um, we turn on our microphone. You know, one of the things that I worried about is that that、uh, we all want to see this end as soon as possible, but at the same time, it is hard for Any authority, whether it's a Chinese government or WHO, to declare that things are fine, as long as the number of the people who are infected and the number of people who die grow every day. And you are saying that you are you keep up with that information. You know, almost、uh, you're saying that not just every day, every hour, you see the number growing, right? Right. We still don't know how much will it affect. Yeah, we hope we hope we can we can go back to office next Monday, but nobody can make sure about that. And you're、yeah. saying that this is not the first time that the this ordeal is not the first time you experience. You actually were old enough to <laughs> experience the uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> the previous.、Um, Epidemic、uh, yeah. with the、uh, SARS is that correct? Two thousand three, right? Right. What was it like? What's the difference? What's the what's what was it like? And what's the difference、uh, between that time and now? Well, I I was a little younger <laughs> that time,、uh, but and the, that time the smartphones is not、uh, popular.、Uh, I mean, we have internet, we have we got the information, but nowadays we got. Information very uh, uh in time, so the the news is very transport. But for the epidemic itself, I think it's it's not that serious, but it spread uh more quickly. A、uh, mortality、yeah. rate is uh is lower. Yeah, that's、uh, that's what they say. So I see that some of your colleagues are actually reporting about the impact. Of coronavirus in、mm-hmm. the electronics industry in China,、um, have they been able to、uh, get it, enough information to do the, their job?、Uh, actually, we still、uh, in a vacation because the government extended. Oh right, the holiday. okay, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. So, so I I believe they are、uh, they have、uh, the epidemic、uh, is affect. The industry, but we still don't know how much right, extent. And、yeah. we can see,、uh, mm. yeah, in immediate effect is for、uh, maybe for the tourism,、uh, restaurant, hotel, and、uh, entertainment.、Yep. But for the、uh, electronics industry,、mm. 
we need more time. <laughs> yeah, to figure out. No, that's true. Right, right. Yeah, except right. for a few conferences, global, you know, conferences that have been already canceled. Mm-hmm. That's actually not good in our industry. Right, right. Yeah. And we are considering if we need to delay our China Fabulous conference. Right, that was China Fabulous conference in March, right? So we we could also be uh, impacted directly. I mean, the the your company, I mean, our company itself, right? Right, right. So um, what do you expect? I mean, uh, going forward, what do you watch for? I mean, then in, in terms of the sign sign of recovery, what do you uh, what do you look for? You, you think people people's lives will go pretty much normal next week? Uh, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think most of the people will stay at home. So this week, most uh, companies, uh, employees choose to work from home, even for Huawei's staff. <laughs> oh, even Huawei also imp- imposing uh, their, their employees to work from home. But you will mm-hmm. go back to the office next week? Uh, we are planning for that. Yeah. But again, it, we, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, my last question, Wuhan was already um, in a situation where they actually call it lockdown, right? It's a lockdown city. I was talking to somebody in Shen, uh, Shanghai, actually, this morning, and mm-hmm. he was telling me that the situation uh, in Shanghai appears to be similar to Shenzhen. It's not lockdown, but most mm-hmm. shops and restaurants are closed. Is that actually normal yeah. on most of the big cities in, 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 in China now? This week, at least this week? Uh, I think beside Wuhan, yeah. so the Beijing, Beijing, Shanghai, Shenzhen, yeah. the, the population uh, here is very, very dense and many uh, people, maybe we have some people from Hubei who work in these big cities. So... This these big cities uh have also have many uh confirmed cases. Right, confirmed cases. So that's why that they're being extra careful. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Well right. um take care and don't go steer crazy staying at home all day. <laughs> <laughs> that was international editor Junko Yoshida with Echo Zhao, who is chief analyst of AspenCore China. EE Times and our sister publications here at Aspen Corps will continue to monitor the situation in China as it unfolds. The process of creating integrated circuits uses a number of harmful materials, and semiconductor manufacturing results in a range of hazardous wastes. Dealing with those wastes is neither cheap nor easy. The greatest amount of waste, by far, is sulfuric acid. In the semiconductor production process, ICs aren't built one by one. Dozens, usually hundreds, are created next to each other on silicon wafers that are usually 300 millimeters across, almost the same size and shape as an LP record. The wafers get sliced into separate chips at the end of the manufacturing process. Now, building a chip involves several hundred individual steps, and after many of those steps, the wafer has to be cleaned before it can go on to the next. The cleaning solution is often sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid is highly toxic in its purest form, but after being used to clean wafers, it's no longer pure and it can't be used again. The industry generates hundreds of thousands of liters of sulfuric acid waste each year. 
David Wong is CEO of ACM Research, a company that specializes in wafer cleaning equipment. The company has recently devised a process that significantly reduces the use of sulfuric acid. I asked Wang to give us some history about the use of the chemical. This sulfur acid has been using for like poster uh, etching uh, of the plasma etching process, and uh, um, you know most also post CMP. Uh, when the technology run to fifty nano and above, everybody using the uh, the uh, batch mode process, right? So when when the technology shift to the twenty eight nano and below, the batch process tool cannot clean the fine particle. Also, cannot gather in a good uh, uh, cross, you know, take care cross, you know, co- contamination, metal contamination. So people move into single wafer uh, process. Uh, however, uh, when you move in a single wafer process, those sulfuric acid on the wafer only about the five percent of acid will be touched with the wafer, and ninety five percent of of the sulfuric acid will just run through the wafer. Even without their touch with the uh, with the wafer itself, that real increase uh, usage of sulfuric acid with all their acid down to the drain, you cannot reuse anymore uh, because they lost the chemical uh, bonding and chemical energy. They couldn't repeat high temperature process anymore. So that's real re- increase the significantly about the sulfuric acid usage today which are about almost 10 times higher compared with the batch mode process. Wow. Okay, so uh, the the use of sulfuric acid is going up, and it can't be recycled. Uh, what uh, is your is ACM's approach to reducing the use? Yes, that's really ACM come with innovation you know, idea, we've got Tahoe product. Uh, basically, it's a hybrid tool, we're running uh, sulfuric acid is still gathered all the way in the batch process. And then with the batch process, you can recycle you know, sulfuric acid in a tool. So you can using much efficient sulfuric acid you know, in a tool. After wafer get out of the, um, to this uh, uh, sulfuric acid batch process, then we'll keep the wafer wet, then move into the single wafer uh, process uh, portion. Then finally, we're just, uh, you know, cleaning the final wafer with single wafer process by adding HF and also SD1. And then we dry the wafer from single, single wafer process module back to the, you know, um, uh, the, the foof. With this integrated approach, we can have a, uh, number one, saving sulfuric acid back to batch process. But at the same time, our quality and also remove efficiency it's equal to their single wafer sort of acid process performance. So that's where integrate both tool and both of the function to the one tool. And then we can save more than 80% of a sulfuric acid compared with a single wafer process tool. That's fantastic. So let's talk about the sulfuric acid waste itself. Um, with a modern fab, what kind of usage levels are we talking about? How much uh, can you quantify how much uh, of this waste is and where it goes? Great, great. Actually, you know, looking at per tool uh, usage for their single wafer sulfuric acid, each day the consumption anywhere between 1,500 
liter to two two thousand liter, right? Twenty, you know, which is two thousand liter per day is consumption rate, and those are so per day per day, and then actually we only use about less than two hundred liter, right? And with our Tahoe tool, so this this kind of you know thousand of the liters of acid, you have to use it, you. For the waste treatment, it's very difficult. Why? Because those acids will contain metal inside. So those sulfuric acid, by regulation, you cannot even sell back to the other industry, especially you know when the food industry become very concerned or agriculture, you cannot go back there anymore. So every today, every uh, I should say, their uh, IC manufacturer very care about the, how you deal with those waste. So normally the big guy and also, you know, uh, people, uh, our customer, they will specifically do the waste treatment, right? And, uh, I should say a couple years ago, some, uh, area, they do landfill, which is a cheaper process. However, landfill become very environment concern. You know, you put inside of the land, what's going on, so, you know, I mean, 20, 30 years, you know, 50 years later, maybe contaminated the, you know, underground water. So, uh, like area in the Shanghai, in Korea, in Taiwan, those land area very limited, which land field not allowed. So the people doing right now is that mostly you'll be evaporate those uh, sulfuric acid at high temperature. Then you have a metal stay. Then you recite, well, then you take, take out the metal. And then you reuse those sulfuric acid uh, or recycle back. However, this process is very energy consumption higher. Plus, it's a very you know I should say you know, basically dangerous process. So that's made that there is the treatment cost is high, and also you add additional is a handling cost and a storage cost and for fab, which is a huge burden. For the maintain this kind of a daily process, right? Moving acid out, moving in acid in, right? That's a real, a big burden for their uh, modern fab. Right, right. So we're talking about environmental concerns um, as well as cost concerns. The more sulfuric acid waste that you have, um, the more costly it is to handle uh, too. So that's very interesting. And you mentioned regulations. Uh, in previous conversations, you had mentioned that Shanghai has very strict regulations, um, uh, similar regulations in the rest of the world where semiconductors are manufactured. Yes. Actually, you know, as I, uh, as I should see that the Shanghai area, especially, they are very uh, regulated even of the month per year, how much you can you can you can uh, waste treatment, right? As we heard so far by our customer in, in Shanghai, they said about their per year, about 60,000 ton of the sulfuric acid can be waste treated in Shanghai. And if it's beyond that, it will be very difficult. So that the 60,000 ton of the sulfuric acid probably can only make a 100,000 wafer per month capacity for the modern, you know, manufacturing, which is less than 28 nanotechnology manufacturing nodes. That's really give the burden for people to try to expansion your uh, manufacturer or capacity in the Shanghai area. So we come with this new idea will be very welcome by the, by the local customer here. 
Actually, you know, let's put, I'll give a history of this idea. Uh, we communist, you know, Tahoe idea is um, just after, you know, in 2012, right, after one conference. And people talk about down the road, future, you have a lot of, uh, you know, when the single wafer coming usage, you have a huge burden for secure asset. So that company people call, hey, let's go find another alternative choice, either replace the sulfuric acid or you find a way to reduce the sulfuric acid. So when we come back, you know, we're a tool manufacturer, one of, you know, specific in the, uh, specialized in the, in chemistry. So we come with idea to, you know, Tahoe, which is integrated batch and a single idea. So we'll file the patent, but the, unfortunately that time we don't have enough money. Then only after 2017, we went IPO in a Nasdaq and as actual, you know, R&D fund, then we start to, you know, try to consider commercialize this idea. So when we have this idea with the PPT, we talk to their, you know, one customer in Shanghai, uh, immediately catch, you know, customer's eye. Actually, they give us a PO before even we're building prototype, right? That's really made me, you know, very excited. And also, like, you know, I heard some story in you know, 30, 40 years ago that happened in Silicon Valley, right? You have an idea writing a napkin, a second day you got a, got a PO. So it's really a uh, kind of similar situation happened in the Shanghai, which is a real growth uh, area and the customer here and they're wanting innovative solution and innovative idea to, to make the environmentally friendly process. That's to give us, you know, uh, this opportunity. So then we first we build up the PO, we build the first tool and the alpha type, we test in house, then we'll sell us, you know, beta type to the customer. And now this customer using the tool very happy and they are already proving uh, the process performance equivalent to single wafer sulfuric acid process, but we're also saving more than 80% of the sulfuric acid. That is fantastic. So David, thank you very much for coming in and tell us about, uh, about this innovation. Thank you. The new wafer cleaning system from ACM Research appears to be unique. I asked the folks at SEMI if they know of any similar systems, and they were not immediately aware of any. The semiconductor industry has been consistently scrupulous about handling its hazardous wastes, but it would be a great way to shine up its green credentials if it could significantly cut back the amount of hazardous materials that it uses. We like to close our podcast every week by celebrating some of the anniversaries of great moments in the development of the high-tech industry. So if you'll just step right this way, we're going to take you all the way back to February 6th in 1959, when Jack Kilby of Texas Instruments filed a patent for miniaturized electronic circuits. Devices that combine several of those newfangled transistors. That sort of device would later come to be known as an integrated circuit. Kilby is considered the co-inventor of the IC, along with Robert Noyce, who later went on to co-found Intel. Kilby was first, but the connections he used were wires that looped above his collection of transistors. Noyce instead embedded metal conductors in the substrate of his device. That, coupled with a planar transistor architecture, helped make Noyce's construction more practical to produce. On February 4th, in 2004, a website called The Facebook was launched at Harvard University. 
I don't even know where to begin with Facebook, but I will say this. I can't believe it was only 16 years ago. I have t-shirts older than Mark Zuckerberg. What is widely considered the first webcast was held on February 5th, 1999. It was a fashion show presented by Victoria's Secret. This is Ed Razek, President and Chief Marketing Officer of Limited Brands, now known as L Brands, the company that owns Victoria's Secret. The other voice is an unidentified executive. Tonight's show is the perfect union of high-tech and high-fashion. We sent this out live via the internet to 90 countries. What we're doing is really a pioneering effort, and I think the most creative use of the web yet. When we're done, I believe one in five people on the planet will see some part of the coverage. Those predictions were hyperbolic. It's estimated that one and a half million people actually got to view at least part of the 20-minute stream. The state of the art for internet connectivity at the time was a 28K modem, which was less than ideal for transmitting smooth video. And in fact, the video was incredibly jerky. Servers were overwhelmed and crashed, so a lot of people never got a chance to see it at all. Still, first is first. By the way, the models that year included Heidi Klum and Tyra Banks. The whole video is on YouTube if you're interested. That's your weekly briefing for the week ending February 7th. The weekly briefing appears every Friday on all the major podcast sites. Do us a favor. If you like what you've been hearing, share the podcast with your coworkers and friends. We also invite you to leave a comment on the podcast page on our website, eetimes.com, where we provide a transcript of every podcast. This episode was produced by AspenCore Studio. It was engineered by Taylor Marvin and Greg McCray at Coop Studios. The segment producer was Katie Huss. I'm Brian Santo. See you next week.